Welcome back to the Balance Bowly Podcast for ambitious women in business and a few brave men. I am your host, Nikita Renthigpen. Excited to be in the place with you today. Listen, take a beat, buckle up your seats and lean back because today you have all kinds of love in the house with this next guest. I'm so excited for so many reasons. This next guest isn't just passionate about transforming relationships. He's ignited highest when he can help couples transform fast. John Tabak is a couples counselor and relationship coach known as Mr. Spirituality by clients and followers of his engaged podcast, Relationship Revival. John, welcome to the BBP. How are you today? I'm great, Nikita. I'm really excited to be here. I love your energy. God, it's making me feel really welcome. I got to tell you. And that was probably one of the best intros I've ever had. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to like put that as my wife's ringtone so that she can remember how great I am from time to time. <laughs> I, I'm happy to have this splice part out so you can send it as a love note um, coming up in a few weeks at the time of this recording. Like, this is your gift. For Thank the month you. of May. <laughs> Thank you so much. No, I appreciate you so much. I really had a fantastic time on your podcast. Like we vibe so much. I recall in the green room pre and post that we literally were like, okay, we have to, <laughs> we have work to do. We have to go now Yeah, because you really are an embodiment of the work that you're doing. You can see it. You can feel it. All the layers of the work that you're pouring out into the world for the humans that you're helping, as well as being mindful of your own relationship, which I personally, biasly, absolutely appreciate. So I would love for you to share a little bit with the audience who doesn't know you about why you decided to pivot from your past. I don't want to give away too many hints into what you do now and how that's helping you create your version of work life and love balance. Yeah, sure. I, you know, it's, it's funny. I, I was on a track to become an Orthodox Jewish rabbi and, uh, I went to Israel. I started learning in yeshiva. I didn't grow up Orthodox. Um, I got, I, I, when I was kind of floundering with it, I had people who kind of wanted to pay some of the seminary fees and were, were like, come on and kind of almost felt bullied into it. And then I got married and, uh, I had a job at the time and I, I don't think I've shared this with you, but I got, I got fired a week before I got married and it kind of threw me for a loop. And so I kind of bounced around from job to job and kind of had my own struggles with my own faith and what does it mean to be a man? And you know, that like men tend to define themselves by their career. And so yeah. that was, it kind of had a bit of an existential thing. One thing that was always there was even when I was kind of a rabbinical student or on that track is people had problems with their relationships and they asked me for help. So before I even got any kind of training or certification or I got my PhD, like before any of that happened, I just helped. And it was like quietly in the background and I've owned other businesses and I've made films in Hollywood and I, I, and I just did it kind of quietly because there was this sense of, oh, I don't know. That doesn't feel like a real job because I enjoyed it so much. And I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I haven't marketed for that. I haven't. And then when, when I realized I wasn't happy kind of owning other businesses and stuff, my wife, who's also a therapist, was like, well, why don't you do what you really enjoy? And I said, I never thought of it as a full-time kind of career. But as soon as I said yes 
uh, people started coming and I kind of looked at it as a, uh, as a sign that it might be on the right track. And, and she's right. I mean, there are, there are weeks where I'm working 11 hour days with different mm-hmm. sessions back to back. And we have, I have two different offices. So I'm bouncing back and forth between my zoom studio and my in-person office and there's traffic it's Los Angeles. So it's a <laughs> lot. And you asked about balance and I don't have the answer for that just yet, <laughs> but, uh, but I'm working on it. And what, one thing though, is I think for the first time in my life, the, um, the, the skills that God gave me, and the ones I decided to develop and how to use both of those to help other people are finally in what I feel are like perfect alignment. And that's, yes. you know, I heard a great, a, a great kind of expression is people are happiest when they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. If you were to take a hammer and kind of try to use it as a saw, you'd hear the hammer go, ah, ah, but every mm-hmm. time it nails a nail, it goes, yes. Yes, because that's what I'm supposed to do. So, I mean, really, every time I'm in a session with a couple who needs help and I can be a small, small, very small part of the solution, because at the end of the day, you can give people as much homework as they want. If they don't do it, they don't do it. But, you know, the little, small, tiny piece of the puzzle that I can be, it's incredibly energizing. It's incredibly energizing. Yeah, you can literally see, you know, the audience doesn't have the privilege to see you because for whatever weird reason, I just want to keep this podcast audio only for my own. Sure. I'll say it intentionally selfish reasons, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's just fun to to com- create this intimacy with just you. But I see the glow when you're talking about it, especially when you're sharing how you went from that space of what I call expired expectations, like other people were kind of projecting onto you what they felt you needed to do. And I'm sure for a while you thought, well, this kind of makes sense based on what was A, B became before my C, but it wasn't pulling you forth and it wasn't calling you forth. So you were able through the fear with the support of your forever lover to be able to lean in to this next layer of you to become the hammer that hits the nail, if you will. Mm -hmm. And I, I know that there are a lot of families that are so incredibly grateful and thankful that you chose to do the thing that was pulling you forth that was hard to do considering your family was like, what is wrong with you? Like, we'll pay for all the things, like stay on this track. This is what we, we, we want for you, but you were called to something bigger than you. And I think that a lot of people listening to this are in that transitionary period where they could do the easy thing, the thing that's supported by their family and friends and whoever, the thing mm-hmm. that's celebrated on Instagram, like whatever, but sure. they want to do something that feels more aligned with being the hammer and the nail. And they're so concerned. They're concerned that their spouses won't be supportive. And I'm sure yeah, you true. come across that as yeah, well absolutely. with your couples that you work with. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a common theme or where, you know, someone has a vision and the other person doesn't have it. Maybe they've even tried and lost some money and the other person mm-hmm. feels betrayed and they're on shaky ground mm-hmm. financially. And, you know, I mean, I think it's, there, there is a lot of financial pressure you see in relationships, but one thing I've learned is, is having couples as young as 19 and as old as 70, one of my oldest clients, 78. So, you know, you see that money comes and goes and, yep. And there are going to be hard times in any marriage. There are going to be some easier times. And, you know, what you do with those times are, are super 
interesting and revealing as to who you are and what kind of life you're leading with your partner. Yeah, I completely agree. And my professional stalking of you, um, outside of being a guest on your show, I know that you love to talk about, which I'm sure is coming from, you know, a personal expression of what works well and you know it works well. You talk about dating, like yeah. how important it is to date your yeah. spouse, but not just date. Like, don't be, and I'm gonna, my audience knows that I call myself the lazy overachiever with like little tongue in cheek play on mm-hmm. my need for rest, um, but clearly still being an overachiever. But you use lazy the traditional way and you say, don't get lazy when it's time to get ready for like date night, like dress up, put on the lipstick, throw on the suit, do what you did to grab them. You know, if you want to mm-hmm. keep them, catch them correctly. And you also talk a lot about, you know, making sure that you infuse some passion and you kind of keep it as simple as one, two, three, I'll say, because there's three main things. Do you want to share anything about why you think dating is is so important and how it's helped your marriage as well? Yeah, well, I mean, I'll be the first to admit that I've dropped the ball sometimes and it's not, you know, it's, it's hard. People get complacent for sure. So if you're, if you're feeling like, oh, we haven't gone on a date in a couple months, like know that you're not alone. And oftentimes therapists and counselors are are just as guilty and we should follow our own advice. Uh, That's right. Why is day? I look romance. There's no such thing as stagnation in a relationship. Mm -hmm. It doesn't exist, right? If you think of a heart monitor, as soon as it flatlines, you're dead. And that's the mm-hmm. same thing with the relationship. Things go up, things go down, but you want to have those peaks higher than those valleys go. And so you have to constantly try and win the affection of your partner because they change and you change. Yeah. And if you, the, the second you stop pursuing your partner, the second the relationship starts to die. It's really mm-hmm. that simple. So if you're not making it a priority to go on dates, if you're not making it a priority to try and figure out what your partner's love language is, trying to speak in that love language, trying Mm -hmm. to actually do things that resonate with them, not things that you think will resonate, actually ask the question, have the conversation. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, there's, there's elements to it. When it comes to dating, I, you know, I know that, that, one thing, one thing I've seen, I have a very male perspective of the world, admittedly so. <laughs> um, but one, th- and I'm re- and I'm working on a book. I don't know when I'll finish. I, I didn't even. I have a finished book that I haven't even published because I'm so busy with clients. But I'm working on another one now called "The Lost Art of Being a Man" because men have lost sight of, you know, if you have that masculine energy, how to how to make it strong without it being toxic. And women are, at least in my practice, starving for it. I mean, because Mm -hmm. it's like, where is, where is this strong leader who also celebrates my individuality, who also wants me to succeed, you know? And, and I, I have a rule and I don't know if you'll like it, but I have a rule when I have a couple who's come in and they don't have dates. And I said, listen, your job as the man is to plan all the dates and they feel like it's unfair. And then they say, why? Why do I have to do all the work? I'm like, you're not doing all the work. You're planning Mm -hmm. the date. All the work in the family that you don't see happening in the woman's head in a typical heteronormative relationship is she has mental anguish that you do not understand that happens on a regular basis. She's thinking about you. She's thinking about herself. 
If you have kids, she's thinking about all of them. If you have relatives, she's she's typically responsible to know when their birthdays are and get the gifts for their birthdays. And men don't do any of that crap. When we're at work, we forget we're married half the time. (laughs) And so that mental (laughs) anguish that the woman, she needs a break for 30 seconds. You should show up and say, hey, we're going out at seven. We're comfortable shoes. And that should be the only thing she needs to know. And- when I say it to a couple, you see the woman's face light up like, I don't have to think about it. He can actually be a man and step up to the plate. I was like, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, and, but there are, there are kind of degrees of, of understanding the intricacies of why that we just don't talk about. And it's sad. Yeah. It's like, there's a way to celebrate women and lead. And there's a way, and there's a way to leave room for her to say she wants to leave without it being diminishing to you. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that, that part of that understanding of the dynamics is, is, is a lost art. It is, it's a lost art. So I'm trying mm-hmm. to kind of reintroduce that back into the fold of it. Now, I love this. And first of all, let me say, clear your schedule so you can finish this book because I'm buying multiple of them and gifting them <laughs> to so many of the men in my ecosystem. I think it's, it's important for men to be reminded that they have more power than they've allowed themselves to remember because they stuffed it down in complacency as well. Like just trying to, what is, what is the statement? Happy wife, happy life, which I totally disagree with. Right. But they come to this conventional wisdom of whatever she says goes, I just have to submit to it or be quiet. And then when they get really frustrated, they swing to the other side and all of the alpha goes on overdrive, which none of that is pun intended here in balance with the relationship that you want. So for the lost art that needs to be reacquainted for so many men, sons included, listen, I got a 26, almost 27 year old, happy to give it to him. So he doesn't make these mistakes in his relationship. I think it really is important to hear it from another man. And there's there's power in receiving it from someone who's doing with doing it with the intention of not just to equip you, but to lovingly equip you so you can be a better version of yourself and not to shame you. Because that is a whole nother conversation of a lot of male relationship experts that are really shaming. Yeah. Men. And that's who is that helping? <laughs> yeah, I'm, helping I'm, I, I, I don't get worked up much. I'm a pretty kind of even keel, you know, guy. Mm -hmm. But when I see a lot of these really toxic, you know, male Mm -hmm. coaches about how to score as many women as you can, or how to own the marriage again, or, you know, you hear these words of, and it's Mm -hmm. like, how haven't we, haven't we moved past the idea of owning people in society? Like, I mean, like, (laughs) it's like, no, it's still, it's still there, but it's inside Mm -hmm. of marriages now. It's like, it's like, it's the worst place it could be. Um, and look, I mean, there is, it's, it's so funny. I was on the phone with a, with an old, old friend who was a client and she, and she was so, she was calling me because one of her friends were sick and she wanted me to, you know, pray for her. And I'm not, I'm not Mr. Religious. I mean, I have spirituality, but like people who know me well, like if you ask, I'll help, you know? And, and so we were talking about it and she said, you know, and then this happened with, with my husband and, 
I'm going to say something that might offend you, but there's a certain way I talk to him where I get what I want. And it's like, no, no, no. I think, I, I think that there's just like, there's a lost art of being a man. There's a lost art of manipulation that women have also lost when it comes to mm-hmm. working with their husbands. And mm-hmm. it, it's like, I see my own mother. Like she was, if you ever saw my big fat Greek wedding, I there was a great <laughs> I love scene. that show. It's a, a great movie. Mm-hmm. And she, she said mm-hmm. something. So there, there was a little piece of the script where she said, you have to let the man be the head of the family. But as the woman, you're the neck and you point right. the head where you want it to go. And I was like, that's mm-hmm. perfect. Right. Cause it, it <laughs> talks about, you know, keeping that male ego intact. Cause it can be very, very sensitive. Right. Mm-hmm. But also learning to guide with this kind of gentle, yeah. like, well, what about this? You know? And it's, it mm-hmm. is, it's, it is a bit of a tightrope walk, but for the couples who get it, they really, really get it. Yeah, no, I, I value it personally. Uh, my husband knows I am unabashedly open about how much I am the neck of this home and very clear about that. And I love for him to be empowered to lead us. And if he ever gets stuck, you know, just feel back into your body. Know your neck is still there, right? Mm -hmm. I didn't go anywhere and it works really well when it works. When it doesn't work is when I'm trying to direct something out of order, right? So there's that other component. Sometimes women will take the true Oxford or Webster's definition of manipulation too far. Something that came up, um, one of my younger, younger in his twenties cousins was sharing how hard it is to find someone to date. Cause he's, you know, he's raised in a Christian home. He wants to look for his wife to be in the next five years. And he said, he keeps coming across these women that literally, now he's 26. He does very well in life, but they want him to be making like $300,000 a year and take them on yacht boats and all that to date them. Like if you can't do this on a date, then you can't be with me. And it's all of this sophisticated manipulation, which is really incredibly horrible. Not what you're talking about. You're saying to make things flow. Let's see how we can direct the waters, right? So the water gets where it needs to be. But I do think that there's a lot of people inside marriages and, or I'll say monogamous relationships that are challenged with how to fight well, how to have conflict well, how to communicate when things are challenging or that needs a little bit more soft or a little bit more firm without feeling like they're losing themselves in the process in this world of independence, if you will. Yeah, I think it's it's interesting you said soft or firm. I'm Gottman trained as a as a counselor and we talk mm-hmm. a lot about soft starts. And mm-hmm. you know, the core the soft starts is how do you start a conversation where where you don't get it off the rails because the first 30 minutes for 30, the first three minutes of a conversation will tell you how the rest of it's gonna go. And yeah. so the start of the conversation is crucial. And it's so it's so funny. I mean, I know you work with couples sometimes too, right? Not just, mm-hmm. and, and you see like, for me, one of the most frustrating things is like, there's always, look, I, I tend to be calm, but there's always that little part of me that just wants to take my clients across the couch <laughs> and shake them. And it's like, you guys want the same thing. Can't you right. see it? Can't you see? And, but the right. problem is both of them feel hurt. So I'll, I'll give you uh, the, stru- the basic structure of a soft start, because I think it's something a lot of women find incredibly helpful because mm-hmm. it triggers something different in your husband's brain. So if you're, yeah. if you're, 
is if you're in a relationship where you are married to a masculine male or in or just monogamously with a masculine male, men tend to look at any problem as something that needs to be solved. They trend they tend mm-hmm. to look for logic. And a lot of the times you want the validation and you want the emotional talk that you're just not getting out of it. So there's a way to kind of start the conversation. And, and I teach this to I mean, literally every couple I've had over the last decade. It's like, look, whenever there's a problem, you need to start with a personal statement that is followed by an emotion. So let's say the person, let's say the, the guy doesn't do the dishes ever and you want him to do the dishes. You can't start off with you never do the dishes because in the, in the male argumentative brain of logic, he's going to say, I'm being attacked. Defend yourself. Bring evidence to refute the fact. Okay, so I did the dishes on Tuesday the 19th, and I did them on Thursday six months ago, so you are incorrect. The statement of <laughs> I've never done the dishes is false, case dismissed, right? And so yes. and that, that's not what you want, right? But, right? but if he hears you in pain, mm-hmm. and that's the main thing, then he'll react to that. Because the, the truth is the kind of one of the phrases in Gaman is that when my partner is in pain, the world stops. And that's a, it's a beautiful phrase. But if you're in a, a relationship full of empathy, that's just the way people naturally, naturally operate. If it's physical pain, we all stop. But the emotional pain, we don't stop because people yeah. don't make it known. So instead yeah. of saying, hey, you never do the dishes, this is the way to start that conversation. You say, hey, it makes me feel really unappreciated because I have a sense that you don't do the dishes as much as maybe you can. Right. And what nice the person, you know, the person immediately hears, I feel unappreciated or I feel hurt or I feel lonely or I feel insecure, whatever the, but the emotion is the first thing. The other two elements that really help accountability, even if, mm-hmm. and this is the, the, here's an example of the manipulation I'm talking about. So the, the healthy manipulation Oftentimes you didn't do anything wrong. So how are you going <laughs> to how are you going to be accountable, right? How are you going to admit fault when you didn't do anything wrong? So I always say you have to leave the door open for accountability even if you don't know about it in case something is there that your partner hasn't shared with you. So again, using the same statement, I feel alone in this house and sad that I, that I'm alone. Cause I always have to do the dishes and here's where the accountability comes up. And I don't know if there's something I'm doing wrong that makes you feel like you can't help or makes it, makes you feel like I'm going to judge you or whatever reason. And if I am, please let me know. So that there's an mm-hmm. accountability. So already you're telling the person, this isn't an argument. This right. is me hurting and I'm asking for help. And the part of the brain that says I need to help starts to wake up. Um, and that's kind of the core. There are a couple other elements to it, but that's the core of how you start a conversation with softness. With yeah. and, and men respond really well because now it's like, oh, okay, I'm paying attention. As opposed to I'm being attacked, fight back, fight back. You know? I can vouch for this. This at a hundred thousand percent works. I use the soft side with my very alpha male all the time. And it, yeah. it definitely does. It makes a huge difference. It's not to manipulate him in the traditional sense of the word to make him submit to what I want. But if I need him to hear me and not hear, cause I'm an alpha female as well and not hear my ego, but I want him to hear my heart. I do have to lean in with soft. So everything John is telling you is 1000% correct. And it really can make a difference. If you still don't feel heard 
then you might have to pull that mirror up to yourself and say, how did you say it? Because I could take that same phrase you said and put some Philly on it and it'll come mm-hmm. out very different. <laughs> yeah. And we do that right? in sessions. It's like to say it again, mm-hmm. say it again, mm-hmm. say it again. I mean, there's mm-hmm. some techniques from Imago where you even have your partner repeat back what they heard. Yes. And I use those sometimes. And so yeah. it's, it's true. Tone is a big deal. You know, if your partner thinks you're sarcastic, even a little bit, that's going to throw it out the water. I tell, I tell every couple this too. There's a little bit of being in a marriage where you have to learn to be Meryl Streep. There is some acting that goes into it. You know, you need to, or Daniel Day Lewis or whoever there, you have to learn that you are communicating with your body, with your mouth Mm -hmm. and you're, and even if you're tired, there's a little bit of a performance, not to be disingenuous, but to communicate better. Right. And so they know I'm not attacking you. I'm asking for help. You have to put on your, I need help eyes. You need to put, you need to change your voice to, I'm really lonely. I mean, there's a certain volume Mm -hmm. that's going to be more, and you're, and it it might feel silly and disingenuous the first couple of times. I promise you when you see results and it, and it starts making things go faster, you will say, this is the way to go next time. And it, cause it works. It really does. It works. See, th- didn't I tell you I started this show off by saying I was so excited to have you here and you got ignited <laughs> right there when Do you I talked get, about I being faster. Help, I mean, <laughs> seeing people, seeing happy couples, it's like, it's it, it feels like, I mean, you do it too. Doesn't it feel like a life's yeah. mission, not just a job? It's like you're healing it, the world one couple at a time. It's a whole different, yeah. how can you not get excited about it? Yeah, you're creating ripples and there's no... For me, biasly, there's no better feeling than knowing that you're doing the work of the creator. That's yeah. the, the spiritual pocket that it falls for in sure. for me. Because it is a multi-generational imprint that's happening for every single family you help. Yeah. And, the, yeah. you know, like on the spiritual, I, you look back through history and, the, and even biblically, Aaron, Moses's brother, was mm-hmm. known as a marriage therapist in mm-hmm. the in the biblical text. Mm-hmm. That was the Kohen Gadol, the highest priest. His main job, mm-hmm. the leader of the spiritual world, was fixing marriages. So oh. I was like, oh, you know, like maybe there's something to it. Listen, <laughs> you were <laughs> like, maybe I actually can do this <laughs> in a positive way, and it'll justify not being a rabbi. <laughs> no, that's. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, you know, I had to pull that back in. It was funny. <laughs> um, and it's and it's sacred at the same time. They're both sacred positions. You are managing a very full and productive schedule. You know, I don't use the word busy. I try not to use the, the word busy. And you have a a lot of great things happening in your life right now, even though it's not always simple or easy to infuse it. But when you can. How do you give yourself permission to pause? So, you know, it's, it's hard. I think first mm-hmm. we have to acknowledge that it's hard. Um, my wife has kind of held on to a lot more of the religious rituals than I have. And at times, mm-hmm. even though we butt heads, like come Friday night, it's the Sabbaths. It's, we keep Shabbat. We have people for dinner. So from Friday to Saturday, uh, we're, we're not using electricity. We're mm-hmm. at home. So that's an amazing built-in pause every week. Yeah. Um, but you know, we, we have our little ways where I can connect with her. Um, and she's my, 
she's my charger. Like when I feel drained, she's what re-energizes me. She's also a therapist. So we get to compare notes. If I'm struggling with a couple, if I had a couple where there's a domestic abuse issue, I take those pretty personally. So I get yeah. to vent to her and she's kind of a rock and says, well, why does it make, you know, and she, she really helps mm-hmm. me through that. We have a jacuzzi in the backyard. So like, you know, if, if, okay. if I really need, if I really need help, I know it's too hot for the kids to come and bother us. So I'm just like, Hey, can we get some time in the hot tub? And she's like, sure. And I know I'm going to have at least 20, 30 minutes before my wife gets so hot. She wants to pass out where I'm, where I get that attention. <laughs> and, you know, it was expensive to put it in, but it was like, honestly, it, it feels like, uh, six years of therapy sometimes when you just go in for 20 minutes, at least for me. Um, yeah. so that's, that's a big, big part of it. Get, making sure with the four kids, making sure they each get attention is probably more challenging. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's, I try to like, I have one kid where I'm like, I lean into what they're passionate about. He's in art class. So like when I drive him to art class, that's our time, you know, mm-hmm. or one kid when he's really big on roller coasters. So occasionally don't tell, don't tell anybody, but I'll pull him out of school and like take him to six flags and play hooky as long as his grades are up, you know? And it's like, mm-hmm. it would be a few hours, just him and me. And so really making sure that each individual kid and each person that's important to you gets 10 minutes, 20 minutes of one-on-one. Yes. It makes a huge difference. I mean, I think, I think the reason prayer exists is so we could feel we have that relationship with the higher power. We have that one-on-one time. And so Absolutely. that's, that's the example that I kind of, the, the lead that I took in my own life to kind of bring it on a person to person level. I love it. Everything you said was a powerful gift to everyone listening, including me, because I learned from everything that you're sharing as well. How can people connect with you and get more? Um, you can listen to my podcast if you want. There's a lot of amazing guests, just like Nikita. That's Relationship Revival. You can find it anywhere you listen to podcasts. You can go to my website, mrspirituality.com. Uh, Most of my sessions since COVID are on Zoom. So right now I'm full. Um, I might have some spots. I mean, people come and go, you know, some people graduate out. I would say my average session length is actually pretty short, eight to 10 sessions. I don't, I get bored. I don't know about you, but like, I'm not, I'm not one of those people. Like I want to see you for two years. Cause you're a cash cow. I'm like, look, get in right. and get out. If you can get in in two sessions and done and you never need me again, that's a great day for me. So, yeah. you know, if you do actually want to work on the relationship skills and tools and figuring out what's really going on. Um, I have receptionists that work for me 24 seven. There's always someone ready to take a phone call. And I try to make sure to get back to people within a day or two at most. I'm pretty diligent about it. As long, as long as you don't mind me sometimes calling late to catch up. (laughs) No, I love it. We'll make sure that everything is linked below in the show notes for your Facebook page where I know you go live and you share really cute, quick tips that are like, less than a minute, which I love the recent one you did on like, don't be lazy when it's time to get ready for a date. It was super cute. Um, And it's very energetic and, you know, lots of personality in it, which was great. Um, As well as the website where also the books that he is working on will also be listed there once they are completed. So I'm excited about that because I am a nerd and I love books. I buy books and I gift books. Like it's, Hands down, you're my ecosystem, well, maybe this unfortunately. The kick in the butt that I needed. <laughs> the kick so in the booty. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Thank you so much, John, for being here with us on the BBP and just being open, transparent, and honest. We appreciate you. God, it was a pleasure. Thank you so much. I'm honored to be here.
Thank you. Balance Bowley listeners, you know, if you are not new to the show, I have to ask if you are new to the show. Well, welcome. Thank you for following. Make sure you subscribe. But let me be very clear. I am the most intentionally selfish human you will ever meet in your life. And by that, I am unapologetic with my ask. So I have two at the end of every single show because I honor the experts that take time out of their very full and productive schedules to pour in their souls to us and to share with me personally, but also with you. So first ask is think of one person right now. Give yourself somewhere between 10 and 20 seconds to just come into your body and think of one person in your ecosystem that you know could benefit from listening to John's story. Share this episode with them. No explanation, no context. Heard this dope interview, thought of you. Boom, share it. Thank you. My second ask is that you enjoy the balance of your day, but do it boldly.